Okay, well, we can start. This is Friday, August 21st, 2015, and we're discussing the book Calling Me Home by Julie Kibler, and I just want to thank you, Marsha, for recommending this book. So let's go around and see what everybody thought, and we'll go from there. Well, I'll start, but I'll be brief. I think it's might be the greatest love story that I've ever read. Julie, I've never heard of her before. She can really write. The readers were outstanding. Uh, I do have one question later, but I don't want to spoil it now. It's, it's just an A-plus book. It's really good. I love this book. I thought it was great. Uh, I like the, uh, uh, the relationship between... Uh, of course, it's been a while since I finished, so I've forgotten the names. Between Dory and... Uh, now, what was the main character's name? Oh, come on. Isabel, maybe? Uh, I like their relationship. I like their, the love story uh, w- w- with Isabel, and, and, uh, and I've forgotten his name, too. But you know who I'm talking about. But uh, uh, I like the jumping back and forth between time and, and how... The story was developed as, as they were traveling to the to the funeral and stuff. It was just it was just great. I, I knew nothing about the book. I, I love it when I get a, a book that I know nothing about that nobody's talked about. And it, it's just I read it and it's great. And this one was. Thanks again for recommending it, Marcia. I totally agree. I loved this book. I loved all the characters. Um, what I really liked about it is even though it was fiction, you just have to know that the story really at least in some respects, was played out over and over again throughout history. And, and again, thanks, Marcia. I know it, um, I don't often be brought to tears with the book, but this one certainly did the trick. <laughs> well, I'm glad you all liked it. It's, it's one of the best books I think I've ever read. And uh, that was a beautiful love affair. I also have a question. I'll wait till we get further on in, into the book. Um, but I'm just glad everybody seemed to like it as much as me. And, yeah, I shed a few tears myself. I just wanted to say I think this was Julie Kibler's first book. I went up in the bar to see if she had any others because I couldn't wait to read, but there wasn't anything else by her. Well, she's fabulous. She really is. Let's get down to the – I have some questions, and I'm going to put my friend Alan on the spot because I don't know uh, – we visited Charleston, South Carolina in January, the friendliest city in America, and it was, okay? The hotel we were in, and I don't really, I want to make it clear, I'm not saying anything, but it was a black-run hotel. Management was black, everything, fantastic people. We had a conference there with guide dogs, about 93 dogs and about 150 people, tremendously friendly. I guess let me ask this question. And I don't know. It's ignorance on my part, please. Do blacks and whites marry now? Is misogynation or whatever they call it done in the South, for example? Can I have friends who have black wives or husbands? Can they go live peacefully in Charleston or wherever else in the South? Well, as far as I know, yeah, they're getting married. But but there's still probably a lot of, I mean, there's still a lot of folks that are prejudiced, uh and I think we've got more in our share of them down here. So uh, uh, even though it's done a lot more, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get people looking at you funny and stuff uh, would would be my guess. 
but uh, I, I don't know. I can't. It, it's getting harder for me to. It's getting harder and harder for me to see now. But uh, uh, so I'm probably. I'm a lot more accepting than 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 your average Southerner, I would say. Although it, it it's getting better, it's getting better, uh, and you know I, I I don't it doesn't bother me in the least about any you know the races mixing and stuff. So, uh, uh, but I've grown up in an area where it was a lot different than that because I mean I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi in the '60s and stuff. So. Uh, uh, it, it's it's becoming more accepted, but I can't really tell you how often it's done now. So sorry to ramble on. No, thank you. And uh, it, I'm just curious because sure, 1939. Even then, I was a little shocked, but that was before you know affirmative action, civil rights votes, and all that. So I could I could understand it more in 39. You know, where she and Robert had to keep their love quiet, and um, and I'm not saying that here a gang of brothers or brothers in a family can't go beat up a guy. They they shoot him here, <laughs> drive-bys and all that. But uh, the brothers went wild, and the law was on their side, it appeared, in 39. I mean, they really hurt Robert. They really uh, did whatever they pleased. And uh, it was it was a... That's why it's such a beautiful love story, that it survived. Yeah, I love this book. I just... I waited because I didn't want to finish it too soon, and I was savoring it. And I think I, I read the last ten hours in a day. I just I couldn't stop, and it was just so beautifully written. And I shed some tears myself, but then I cry over books. <laughs> it was just so good and I wasn't surprised at the end although was anybody surprised at who the funeral was for I was I really thought that the baby had died I thought it was Robert's funeral I was totally surprised Um, I I thought it might have been Nell's funeral or something you know someone like that but I I was totally shocked Barbara Connor yeah, I uh, um, absolutely. I was surprised. Okay, Robert though, I, did we we got a clue earlier? I'm not sure. It's hard to remember now. When and uh, you know he saved another guy's life. He was a medic in World War II and saved his life. Did he not? Did they not have a funeral? And she couldn't. She could wouldn't dare go. Um, but I never thought of a daughter. I really thought the baby was dead. I really. And the mother, the question is, did she grab the dress, the bodice, or or push her? I think she pushed her, but that's my, you know. And I know that the one I don't, I really didn't like, although, although I understand, was the father. I know that he couldn't stand up and say, I'm changing institutions. I'm telling you, it's okay if Robert and Isabel get married. No, he can't do that. But he could have given Isabel some money, too. He gave, he gave, uh, he knew the baby was alive. He knew that it broke their hearts, her heart. And he could have slipped Isabel money. She was struggling too. And he didn't do it, in my opinion. So uh, the mother was just evil. She, she played the role, you know, and uh, she was just evil. She was, she was a poor, uh, excuse the expression, white trash lady who rose up and said, I'm not going back and I will not let this happen. I'll kill my daughter first. I'll do whatever I've got to do. But the father was a doctor and couldn't help his daughter 
with her pregnancy, with, you know, um, so I know a lot of you guys are probably going to defend the father. He was so nice, but he wasn't. He was weak. And you, you can be strong in a lot of ways without changing institutions. Thank you. Yeah, you're right, Bob. He was a very weak man. He meant well. His heart was in the right place, but he just couldn't do it, and uh, that was wrong. And you're right. He should have been able to slip Isabel some money or something. Um, at least he took care of the baby, you know. Um, and and I, I was totally shocked. I didn't realize that the funeral was for Pearl either. Um, but it was so neat that, that she, you know, her granddaughter was there and along with her father and, and, uh, you know, um, you know, that she had the son and, and he married and they had that little girl. But, uh, at the, you're right. And the mother, mother was absolute evil for sure. I'm on everybody else's side too. The father was just weak. Um, I'm glad he saved the baby, but. He could have done so much more for his daughter, um, at least let her know that the baby was alive. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just, that was tragic. Uh, yeah, he was a weak, weak guy. Yeah, I think the author must have fooled all of us because I, I, I wasn't, ex- I thought that the baby had died as well. So uh, I had no idea that that's who the funeral was for. So, uh, yeah, and, and the 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 father was definitely weak. Uh, at least he he had some goodness in him. I don't think the mother had any in her. She was horrible. She uh she infuriated me. But uh, uh, yeah, and, and Bob, I think she, I think she did push her. Uh, I don't. I have to wonder how much. I don't think it was that much of an accident, really. Uh, and she was just she was horrible. I really didn't think that the baby died. I I just did not think that. I was surprised who the funeral was for, and I agree that the father was a very weak man, particularly when it came to the part where he and his his uh, sons went to the um, boarding house where Robert and, um, gosh, I forget her name, um, um, where Robert and his wife spent their, their, um, their uh, wedding night, and the the brothers were uh, beating up the pastor when they went to the pastor's house, and then they went to the hotel and were kicking down doors. I, I mean, the father couldn't even stand. I think he was afraid of his sons because they were just out of control. And um, uh, But I was going to say, regarding the money, when Isabel decided to go out on her own after she recovered a little bit from having given birth, she did go to her father's office and she asked him for, I think it was 10 or $15, and he gave her the money she asked for, but she was so embittered against him, and rightfully so, that I'm not sure she would have taken any further help from him. It doesn't excuse him, but you know it said that they never spoke again. She never spoke to him after that. So I don't know how receptive she would have been to money from her father had he offered it. Yeah, I, you're amazing if you thought, if you knew the baby lived. I, I know that's a way it's supposed to be, but they sure played it. Julie wrote it in such a way that there was no doubt in my mind that uh, the baby died. You know, there's just none. The baby was premature and a midwife and the, uh, you, yeah, I guess I should have thought maybe the doctor's out there working on the baby, you know, so I could have jumped to that, but it was it was hard. 
My question is this. My question is this. Um, the baby lived, and Nell and Cora and those guys thought that Isabel didn't want the baby. That was the word that was spread, that she didn't want the baby. So they didn't talk to her very much and so forth. Um, the, the baby is two or three years old, and Robert comes home on leave. I think I have it right. And then he sees, a, he sees Isabel at that time. He didn't know he had a baby. Any thoughts on that? I mean, if we can speculate on did the baby die or I knew it or I didn't, what about that one? He, he knew that he had a baby. It looked like Isabel and him. Uh, that's a very interesting question, Bob, because that's something that wasn't uh, quite clear to me because I believe that um, years later at the funeral, I believe that Nell told, uh, uh, told Isabel that... Uh, that Robert knew or that they thought Robert knew because I think they she asked the question did Robert know and and they said that they thought that he did but that's interesting if if that was the case why he never brought up the child to her um they were you know they were in in the heat of passion when they met and uh but I I certainly believe that if he had known he would have would have said something to her so that was one thing that was never um explained to my satisfaction as far as my uh, not believing that the baby died there were two reasons for that one is because the mother was just so wicked um, and also I, I wouldn't put anything deceptive past her and the other thing was the way the the midwife reacted to Isabel she was clearly in sympathy with Isabel and I think that she may have said something about she would do what she could or she would take care of it. I mean, something about the way she related to Isabel made me think that the baby was not dead. Yeah, and uh, I think the author was deliberately vague about uh, about what Robert knew and when he knew it and stuff like that because at that point they were focusing on, on Isabel and everything and they kind of came back and forth to, to Robert later, but it was hard to get a beat on who knew what when and stuff like that. So, uh, of course, when we were reading through it the first time, we didn't, I mean, or those of us that didn't figure it out didn't know that there was a baby even to wonder about. So, uh, uh, yeah, I thought that, that, that was left, uh, I figured it was probably left deliberately vague, but uh, uh, it, it, it was unclear for sure. Okay, I'm going to finish, and I want to yield to Jill, because she's the master reviewer in my book after last Sunday, and any, all the times. But um, I, I want to say this. The, the midwife did say the baby's in a better place. I mean, she really led us to believe that she was dead. How many times do you do that with, oh, you know, my grandfather died. He's in a better place, you know. And I said, oh, the poor little baby. I was crying. I, and I knew the mother would never want a black grandchild. She would have killed her if she could have. If the baby lived, it's amazing. The midwife got it out the back door to take it to Cora, of course, and, and so forth. And then how she got rid of Cora, I think she had to do that. She had to get Mrs. Gray in there uh, and so forth. But uh, that was it. And then Robert, though, remember, okay, besides he would have come home what was I going to say there? He would have come home and leave and saw the baby. Remember where he was going to have her go for safety. 
away from her husband, leave her husband and all that, and everybody took Cora's. And this girl, Isabel, is smart. She would have picked up that that's her baby. You know, but it, so what was Robert thinking? He, he dies before that happens. But what was he thinking if he was going to take her? We says, I've got a place for you. And it was with Cora. They, they said, they love you, you know, and all this stuff. So she would have seen the baby. Well, I guess that that kind of puts the cap on it then. Then he, he must have known. But why? I just don't understand why, if he knew that that was their baby, why he didn't tell her. I just I that I just don't get that. I know he loved her, you know he loved I- Isabel tremendously, but not to tell her that their baby was was still alive. I I just I don't quite get that. Um, I don't I don't know either. That's vague. But remember the note that was supposedly written by Isabel that I don't want this baby. If Robert had seen that, maybe that. You know, he just left for war, and, you know, I'll come back for you once I figure this all out and stuff. But maybe that was what did it for him, is that he figured she didn't want him or the baby, or I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to try to overthink this stuff, because it really, if you under, if you think that Robert knew about the baby, the story kind of falls apart, But I think, because I, there's no he, way he would have ever believed that Isabel wouldn't have wanted the baby. You're just not going to be able to convince me of that, considering the relationship they had. Uh, I, I just think that kind of falls apart if you think he knew about it, and, and, and A, believed that she rejected the baby, or B, didn't wouldn't have ever told her. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to roll with the vagueness. Well, and then I'm, I really will yield to Jill, because I didn't do it last time. If he did know about the baby, maybe he dreamed, we'll go home, we'll be together as a family. What a great surprise. So you could flip it around any way you wish. I like Robert. I think he was fabulous. What a great, great kid. He should have been the doctor's son instead of those jerks and so forth. Now he yield to jail. Everybody back away. Well, I'm going to disappoint you a little bit, Bob, I'm afraid. Um, I enjoyed this book, but I didn't love it. Um, and just kind of for the reasons that you're saying, uh, you know, we're finding these weak links. I'll tell you what really bothered me is uh, I've lived in California almost all of my life, and I ran this by two people, and one of them was a, is a hairdresser, and we don't know of any black beauty operators that are operating in beauty shops where there are Caucasians operating. Now, if you guys do, fill me in, because if that was true, and if that's true in California, it's hard to believe it isn't true in places like Ohio or Texas, to, to my way of thinking. So, right there, I'm concerned about how this relationship, you know, I, I'm... I wish I had an idea what I think the author could have done, but I'm not sure a hairdresser was very well thought out. I do not know of a beautician, you know, who, who's black and, and deals with whites. Blacks a lot of times go to black barbers because there's a way to cut their hair. It's curly, and I wish we had, uh, you know, someone of that race here because they could straighten us out. But I, I must say, I, that's a really good one, Joe, but I skipped over it because beauticians can have a very close relationship with you. Ruth Ann's is part of the family. I mean, 
she knows us, we know her, uh, but she's not black. She just takes, you know, I, I don't know what she does with black customers. I might ask her sometime because there's a, you, there is a way to cut their hair. It's different. Now, do, was she, but I do not know of any, but I don't go to that many beauticians. So, Ruth Ann, you know anybody? No, I don't. Okay, my wife goes to all these permanents a week, every week. No, I don't. Every two weeks. <laughs> anyway, she's saying she doesn't know either, Jill, so that's a good point. I thought of this, Jill, and it kind of seemed a little odd to me, too, but I just thought, well, you know, it's just part of the story, and it could happen. I mean, it's it's not impossible for, for that to happen. So I just kind of blew it off, you know, but I, it did cross my mind, and I do believe, and I'm not positive, but I think I remember the woman who I go to uh, to get my hair cut and so on. I think she said that she has some... She's, uh, uh, I think she said she has a, a black uh, customer or two. I think that's what she said. So I'm sure if it works one way, it can work the other way. I actually hadn't given this a thought either, Jill. That's really a good, good point. But I wonder if she did that because she wanted to draw parallels here and yeah she could have done it with two white women but the fact that um Robert and his family were black and Isabel was white and Dory Isabel knew Dory and she knew that Dory had things she was dealing with in her own life that might be similar in some ways to what Isabel had dealt with at some point. So I wonder if she put these two women together, not be, not just because in fiction you can do anything you want, but more to show a parallel that, okay, cultures may be different, skin color is obviously different, superficial things are different, but we all still have the same things that we deal with in our lives and we may deal with them differently but people are people and so I I just I wonder if that's what she was trying to do here well I no she, she's got to have a, a black and a white I mean that's you know really the basis of the whole book and why uh, you know why she was why Isabel asked her to go on the trip in the first place. Um, I just think she she needed to have her be something <laughs> other than a hairdresser because we, we've all agreed we, we don't know of any other and and black people go to black hairdressers basically and white people go to white hairdressers because hair is different. I did think to myself, I wonder if Mammy's ever did the white girl's hair in during slavery days of course I've never read a book that told me whether they did or didn't um, I thought maybe it could have been someone that she'd had uh, helping her in the house as she got older and that they really developed this wonderful relationship if it could have been like that to me that could have been believable okay yeah you're saying if Dory were the maid but Dory was equal. She was pretty tough. Remember when they first met? 
she was grumpy. She had a, a white beautician, and the girl walked out, and, oh, we have Dory, you know, she, she can help you. Oh, well, you know, and I thought, boy, what a prejudiced, racist lady this Isabel is. And so the, the author does try to mislead you a little bit here. Quite a little bit. Go ahead. You want to talk? Yeah, quite a bit he, uh, as far as the... Uh, uh, there are a lot of things I think that are deliberately left out. We all kind of had the impression that, or at least I did, that the baby died. Donna, Donna is the only one that caught it here that she didn't. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You weren't down here, but no. I, that was really smart of her, I think. Yeah. Anything else? It, not right now. Okay. I just wanted to comment on the... Um, of the, yeah, in fact, in slave days, the the black slaves did do the white owner's hair, and in Gone with the Wind, um, that you know, they would always do Scarlet's hair. Um, I read House Girl, and that was part of this, that story too. Um, so yeah, that was part of the job. So black women have learned how to do white women's hair. I think. Um, by the way, this is Linda Davis. I think that had it been the maid, it wouldn't have been as easy to do because the mother would have been around too much of the time for them to be able to develop that close of a relationship. And a hairdresser, you know, is the kind of person that you can talk and tell whatever to your hairdresser. Um, and so I, th- I think just because... You know, the hairdresser's black. I think that was definitely done on purpose. But I don't know what other line of work they could have done it to have them become so close. Because, you know, you do have a tendency to talk to your hairdresser if you go to the same one all the time. Uh, Linda, no. I wanted, I, I think people are saying, at least I am, would have been better had Dory been Isabel's maid and they developed this long relation. Maybe she went home every evening, she had a family, and you do talk to your maid, you do talk to your cleaning lady and, and so forth. That is a possibility. But I've got to tell you, I just jumped over it. I, I didn't think about it. Oh, my God, a great research error. You know, I didn't know. But I do not know one. I do not know the situation Jill has expressed here. So... But I kind of jumped over it. Yeah. They became dear friends. and uh, But boy, the first time, I thought Isabel was a racist. Oh, my God. But Dory handled it pretty well. I like Dory, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't think a maid would have worked, actually, because it, it would have been hard. Uh, I think she was trying to have Dory. Uh, I mean, obviously, she wanted Dory to be African-American, and she also wanted Dory to be uh, of equal stature and of... Uh, 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 an independent businesswoman and stuff like that, and I'm not sure uh, a maid would have uh, would have cast quite the the same picture. Uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of us probably uh, that was a good catch by Jill, but I think the author decided a cosmetologist worked, and uh, she she just didn't think all the way through how often uh, if that crosses racial lines or not, maybe. But uh, uh, I don't really know. Uh, what would have worked? Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of, I mean, there's racial crossover, like in the nursing profession. I mean, I mean, we could speculate about a, bu- a bunch of different occupations and stuff, but I'm not sure that all of them really work in terms of confidences and stuff. Uh, who you develop the relationship with uh, that they had in this book? Yeah, I think 
That probably is. I don't. I agree with Linda and Alan. I don't think a maid would have worked. And yeah, I know as women, when I, I've gone to the same hairdresser now for a couple years, and even before that, off and on. But she knows an awful lot about what's going on, and um. <clears throat> She goes to football games with us, so <laughs> it's just, it's different. Um, I'm glad it was, that Dory was a hairdresser because, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I, novels, she probably, uh, Julie probably didn't write this in sequential order. So in order for that final scene um, of her preparing Isabel for death, that couldn't have happened had she not been a hairdresser and just the care that she took and... and you know, I I don't know that that final scene could have been as beautiful um, with Isabel had she been anything but her her hairdresser. That final scene made me cry because uh, I, I just because uh, I read it the first time and I was th- you know I was just like the author was leading me by hand and wanted me to think that that she was still alive and stuff and you know when I realized it was all over it just uh, just kind of gut punched me. I didn't shed any tears when that happened, but I, it was just so beautiful. And uh, you're right, Liz, that that couldn't have been handled any other way. Um, Dory had to be the one to do her hair for the final time. I cried buckets when I read that last scene. It was just so beautifully written. And I knew she was dead, but I just... I didn't want her to be dead, and it was just the way it all worked out. I knew she was going to die in the end. That was just so beautifully written. I wanted to mention a couple of things before I forget. One is that um, I did go online after having read the book a second time because I read it several months ago, and then when someone suggested that we do it for novel ideas, I was in total agreement, and I did reread the book. Um, so I was curious about Julie Kibler, too, wondering whether she had written other books. And uh, I went online, and, it's, and she said that she is working on a second novel. So uh, we, we all have that to look forward to. I wanted to mention two things. First, it didn't, I didn't feel this way as much the second time. But when I read the book the first time, I felt, and of course she was young. She was only 16 or 17. But I really felt that Isabel was very immature in that the way she in the way she pursued Robert because he was clearly aware of the danger that he was in should anyone find out about them this was long before they they got really involved and he kept trying to discourage her and she I mean again she was a kid and she loved him and all but but um she really caused him a lot of problems and I think life might have been I loved the romance I loved the book but I think life might have been happier for both of them and certainly easier had she not disregarded his warnings about what would happen to him. Um, the other the question that I have is, um, was anybody surprised that once Isabel recovered as much as she could from after having given birth and having been pushed down the stairs by her mother and she was ready to, to leave uh, her, her parents' home, um, did anyone wonder why she didn't uh, try to find Robert? 
because at that point she hadn't heard that he had died or that he was interested in somebody else. It wasn't until she was already living on her own in Cincinnati that, I believe it was Cincinnati, that she ran into Nell in the store and Nell indicated that Robert had moved on. So for her to be so intense about pursuing him and then after she had the baby not to pursue him, that struck me as a little bit odd, unless I'm, I missed something. Um, I definitely agree with you that Isabel was very immature and somewhat selfish. I think she was, you know, the daughter of the white doctor, the kind of one of the more well-to-do, so she felt that she could do whatever she wanted to do. It didn't take away from the romance at all, but she was kind of selfish and and um, immature. And I think that that I got the impression that she didn't pursue Robert because she was mad that Robert hadn't pursued her. So again, another kind of indication of her immaturity. I think you guys are hard on Isabel. She was 16 years old. Had Robert pursued her, he would have been lynched. Okay, he was, of course he was afraid to do it. He was, Robert was a good guy. I mean, he got her away from that, that guy at the club. Teenagers do that. They go to drink, the drinking clubs. They dare. And she, she wanted to get away. Her mother, even though at that time it wasn't a prison, made the house like a prison. Where are you going? Blah, 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 over and over. And, um, you know, that's my opinion. That, that, and then the other thing, why didn't she pursue Robert? He made it very clear. Remember the letters that Nell brought back and forth, and they got more frigid, leave me alone, you know, I'm done, we're done. And um, she didn't know what to do. So uh, I think she was a normal. And if you, let me give you an example. What about, even though they were two whites, but Scarlett O'Hara and Ashley Wilkes, she pursued him, brother. She was all over him. You know, and uh, it, you know, so forth. Uh, no, I think it's the way it had to happen in life. I think it was a beautiful. Sure, had they not met, had they never met, she would have gone with that guy she married, who she didn't love. He's Mr. Routine, Mr. Boring, you know. And uh, she might have, you know, faked it all her life. But uh, Robert brought her even briefly great happiness. I think that's the way, Julie. That's the power of the book. And I don't think she was immature at 16. She, she was out of her home. They kept her in prison for months. The mother did. Yeah. So I, I have great sympathy for Isabel. I don't know what she could do. I guess this is the reason that I said I enjoyed this book, but I didn't love it. Uh, you're talking about 17 and 18-year-olds, you know, you guys. And to think that this, this is, a, you know, life... <laughs> The wonderful love affair is, you know, it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet. They're so young that really it's hard to put that much seriousness into it. And I do think it's a it's a well taken thought that, um, you know, even when she would say she didn't want to do these things that would put Robert in danger, she certainly did by pursuing him, and she knew, you know, the danger that she was putting him in, and yet she still did it, even though she felt like she didn't want to do it. So I had forgotten about the letters that Bob was talking about, but I kind of, because I kind of thought maybe she didn't pursue him because she knew that if she got to back together again with him, the brothers would beat him up again. It, I gave her credit for deciding, you know, she loved him too much to get him beaten up again. I was just going to say, I don't know if it's just me, but when Donna spoke that last time, I was having a real hard time hearing her, her, 
her volume was a lot lower than when she talked the first time. So uh, may, maybe it was just me. No, Donna, your volume is is much lower. I had to put my ear up to the speaker to hear you. I guess I could have turned it up, but then I would have been blasted out. But, but well, it, poor, poor Isabel. Remember, she did end up marrying Miss, Mr. Boring, but they had a they had a decent life. I forget his name. He was so boring. But um, but there is a such thing as young love, <clears throat> and uh, lo- young love can be very serious. It can be very intense, and it can last. So don't don't uh, don't poo poo fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old people falling in love because believe me, it does happen. But the strength of this book is that love carried to the funeral of the daughter when when she finds out all about her baby and every the daughter was her baby. And uh, the love, you know, Romeo and Juliet went a long way in history. Shakespeare did okay with them, a couple of 14-year-olds or whatever they were. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Robert, yeah, she may have been, yes, that's a good point, that the brothers would have really, look what they did already. They branded him. They would have killed him. They would have got him on the streets of Cincinnati and killed maybe both of them. Who knows? I want to talk about the brothers a little bit. They were just almost total outlaws and got away with everything. And, you know, they came after her, they did anything they wanted, and um, just uh, apparently that was okay. And uh, they just were like a couple of outlaws. I felt, you know, really bad that I, I, it it made me wonder how many of these things happen in real life that, that, uh, you know, maybe there is a romance between a, a black person and a white person, and apparently these brothers just came in and uh, could do anything they wanted. And, and as far as, you know, hurting people or anything, they took the girl practically against her will back home, and of course father was with them, but still, uh, they could, could just do anything they wanted. They right. were practically outlaws. I think it still happens. I'm going to say one thing yeah. I never will forget. This, these two little kids, nine and ten, had a crush. I, you know, they were they were hanging together, black girl and white boy, and at a, I won't give the name of the youth agency, but they broke them up. The volunteers didn't like to see it, so the the director said, "You can't talk to her again. Tell a ten year old and a nine year old they can't talk to each other." I I was very young, but I said, "This is wrong. They weren't going to get married for God's sakes." I was just going to say, you know, this book was even earlier than, than that. Uh, well, the, the that being, after all, Emmett Till got lynched for whistling at a white girl, and that was later than this episode. I also wanted to say, you know, an 18-year-old in 1939 is a lot different than an 18-year-old today. I think, I think boys and girls did mature faster. I, I think now we have this prolonged childhood and adolescence that I don't think an 18-year-old today is as mature as an 18-year-old would have been then. And thank you for bringing up the point that Isabel really probably didn't pursue Robert because she loved him and she knew what her brothers were capable of. And, and at that time, yeah, you know, now if they had tried those kind of antics against a white guy or or you know somebody who wasn't related to them, a girl who wasn't related to them, there might have been more consequences. But... 
back then the attitude was, you know, they were protecting the family honor by getting Isabel in check and, you know, you could do kind of whatever you wanted to do to a black guy. I mean, they had signs saying get out of town before sundown, so, and that was okay, you know. So I think the time frame of this has got to be remembered as well. I wonder if they're ever going to make a movie of this book. When was it done? This would be a classic movie. I believe it was done in 2014. Yeah, this would be a great movie. I wondered that myself. I also wanted to comment on the narration. I thought they were both good, but the woman who... um, who read the part of Isabel, she was reading for both an older lady and a young girl, and clearly she did the voice of an older woman better than she did the voice of a young girl. I mean, unintentionally, I thought that she often made Isabel, young Isabel, sound very melodramatic. And um, But Bonnie Turpin was a perfect Dory, and I liked her so much that I went on to the Bard website to find out what other recordings she had done. And um, I believe that there are six recordings on uh, Bard of books that she has read, and they're all um, commercially uh, produced books. Interestingly enough, the woman who read for the part of Isabella, and I don't remember her name now, she has read a couple of books that were produced for NLS. So she reads for NLS occasionally as well as uh, commercial audio books, if I understood that correctly. This was a commercial uh, book as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I was really annoyed at Isabel's father. Why in the world... Did he let his wife just take over like he did? I mean, that really made me mad. Uh, because he didn't want to fight the institutions of the South at that time. He didn't have the courage. I'm saying there are other ways to get around that, that he could have. He tried a little bit with Isabel in his office when they'd have their talks. and uh, But he, uh, yeah, he, he, he you know. He kind of nope. was weak. He was weak. Now, yes, she might have rejected his money. She might have. But he could have made, he could have done something to try to make it up to his daughter, in my opinion. Okay, that's my opinion. But yes, you're right. She probably said, get out of here. I don't want your money. And uh, so he, at least he helped his granddaughter. Well, she didn't go to him when she needed the... Yeah, he gave it to her. We talked about that. He gave her money. Yes, Uh he did. But the mother is no the way. Mother was a shrew. She would have had the brothers right. lynch him or kill him or something. The yeah. mother was, she was rich when she had been poor all of her life, and her dad was a drunk, and she wasn't going to go back. Um, I also wasn't it the father who actually led the midwife with the baby to Cora. I mean, the midwife didn't know what she was going to do with it. She, it, I thought it was the father who actually said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to take this baby to its grandmother." I mean, you know, he didn't say those words, but I think he was responsible for getting the baby. So, I mean, yeah, he was weak, and, and he could have done a lot more, but the man does deserve some credit. He really did take very good care of his granddaughter. Yeah, he, he came through with with that. But, uh, yeah, that uh, she made the the father very, very weak, because I can't imagine and that it was the standard rule in the late 30s for uh, a father to let his boys bully him around and stuff like this guy did. That, that, that had to be unusual for back then. I mean, 
I know times have changed, and we, uh, I think the generations now have decided that the, the, the kids have hung the moon and stuff, but uh, I don't think that was such the case back then in the late 30s. Yeah, I w- yes, I, I was surprised at that part. Father, whoever, good or bad, is the head of the house. I saw Dallas for years, and it was clear that Jock was the head of that house. He could control JR. He, could, he just said this the way it is till he died. But uh, the father, this guy, did not, he, he did not uh, act like, I think, a guy from Texas or wherever, the, well, the South, I guess, would act. He'd be the leader of his house. Now, maybe mother was, but he would be the final, you know, decider, decision. This is the way I've read. I, I didn't live there, but this is what I've read in many, many books. So I, I, that was surprising. Go I ahead. want to say Go something. Ahead. Remember the place in the book where she hears mother and the father, you know, having a big argument. Yeah. Apparently the father is not willing to, or she wanted him to do something to help her. She said, you have connections. You could help more with this sort of thing. I was sort of appalled too that they the, they didn't get her to for medical care, and that they had this uh, black midwife come in and and take you know charge of her and everything. But they didn't do anything as far as getting her to a regular doctor or getting her you know regular. They wouldn't dare care. Yeah, I'm sh- probably so. But my God, it's their daughter. And, and the the mother was just saying, "Well, I've done this all for you," and and uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just she seemed. I I can't imagine that the father would be. I mean, I think he tried, but he he was so weak, and I I, I thought he could have done something with her or with the family. Yeah, that whole thing with the father. At least the father could have provided medical care, but no, they would never have gone outside the family because then that horrible secret would be out. And remember also that um, Isabel hid the pregnancy for several months, um, faking periods and stuff, and so she was well advanced into the pregnancy before her mother um, really confirmed that she was pregnant. But yeah, at least Dad could have given her some kind of medical care. I, you know, I don't know these things, but it seems like a doctor would spot it even before a mom. But mothers do see these things, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think they dressed differently back then too. I mean, they didn't wear uh, the nuts. Well, scantily. Uh, they're not. You know, they they dressed more old. Well, old-fashioned back then. Maybe he couldn't. Uh, couldn't have seen um, up close or whatever that she was pregnant uh, at the time. And I got a phone call. Well, and she was locked in her room, um, except for the, the rare meal times where she was allowed to come downstairs, which, again, is the dad should have done something about that. But, you know, maybe he really didn't notice because he didn't have constant access to seeing her. Doctor. Uh, do we have a next book, Randy? Where are we? I think Randy has a phone call. Um, I wanted to mention um, uh, thanks, and I believe it's to Marsha, perhaps, uh, for recommending the book. It's not available on Bard yet, but after the their last book discussion, at the end of the last book discussion, the book uh, We Used to Be Brothers was mentioned, and it's available on Bookshare, and I read it, and it's a great book, and I hope that it will become available on Bard soon and that we can all share that one because I just want to say thanks for recommending it. I really enjoyed it. Once We Were Brothers by Ronald Balson. I read that 
and it is on Bookshare, and it's one that, when it becomes available on Bard, because I know a lot of people don't have Bookshare. It is available on Audible, though, and a lot of people don't have that. So when it becomes available on Bard, I do want us to do that one because it is an excellent book. It's about World War II, and I can't read another book about World War II right now because that book is just, it has stayed with me, and it, it's just excellent. But anyway, um, does anybody have a suggestion for next month? I was wondering if anybody has read any of Sue Monk Kim's novels. Um, a friend of mine just highly recommended The Invention of Wings, and I've downloaded it and will read it. And uh, it's about a, um, you know, no spoilers because I haven't read it, but it starts off with an 11 year old girl in the early 1800s. For her birthday, she was given a 10 year old slave. And it's the story of how she's trying to buy her slave's freedom because she never agrees with it and how the two women make their way through life and, and work for um, uh, both women's issues as well as slavery issues. And I'm going to be reading it. I don't know if anybody else has read it or would be interested. Well, I'm probably going to offend people, but, well, I've done it before. We're reading a lot of either the South or the Jews. And no offense, but there's three or four Jewish books on here and the Nazis. There's got to be more in life, but if you guys do it, uh, I'll see if I can read it. My friend Alice said it was the greatest book she ever read. There we go again, Jill. Invention of Wings. Yeah, it's a slave situation, and uh, she loved it, and I can't get started. I've tried, but maybe I'll try harder. I think it's probably a pretty good book. I I have read it, and I kind of agree with Bob right now. I, I would just as soon not read any more slave type things for a while. Uh, or the war, Jewish war books either. And it isn't that I don't care about these issues. We just read an awful lot of them. Um, may I ask again the book name of the book? Your book is it? Once we were brothers. Yeah, it is. Um, it it's by Ronald Balson, B A L S O N, I believe. Um. It goes back and forth between the past and the present. And it's one, like I said, I agree we have read a lot of Jewish books. And um, it's not one that we that I want to do right now anyway, because it's not on BARD. But even when it is on BARD, you know, it's not something we have to do. But it's it's one that down the road we can consider it's but i do think it's an excellent read uh yeah i'm not a big fan of the invention of wings uh we we read it for another uh the the bard book group that uh that meets the last thursday of every month and it's on the telephone and uh it was all right but uh uh that was the first of a series of Let's set something during slavery times, and uh, it seemed like every book group I was in for a while was doing all those kind of books, and I, I kind of got tired of them. And uh, I mean, I mean, it was all right. I mean, a lot of people have 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 really said how great it is and stuff. So you you should definitely read it if you if you want to. But uh, uh, I hope we don't discuss it here. But uh, hey, that's that's just one vote. 
I tried to read it and I couldn't get into it and I never picked up any of her other books. I was thinking about a light one and has anybody, I know a lot of people read James Patterson but he's written a couple books that aren't mysteries. Um, one of my favorites is Sam's Letters to Jennifer and Sam, it's not what you think it is. Right away when you hear the title you think boyfriend, girlfriend, no, not directly anyway. It's a light read, and it's um, kind of, it's summary. It's only about four hours, a little bit, four and a half hours, five at the most. But I like it. Did James Patterson really write it, or somebody else? Does, uh, does he just have his name printed in real big letters on the, on the cover with the real author's name written smaller below it? I'm up for a light read. That sounds good to me. There's another author in it who wrote it with him, too, I believe. I forget who, who it is, but, yeah, Alan, there are two authors. It's, and again, Bard used the audio version, and I'm really glad they did because it's read by two narrators. I couldn't listen to this book with any other narrator. And I... It takes place on a lake, and it's one of those books with family secrets, hence the letters. Um, And it's not directly boy meets girl kind of book, but that is part of it. It's just... I, like I said, it's a light read. It's a good read. I think it is anyway. I'm all for it. He said Sam's Sam's letters to Jennifer. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds good. I like a a short light read. Uh, uh, and if and if Patterson really didn't write it, that's uh, that might even be better. That sounds great. I can't believe he wrote it. Besides just lending his name, but uh, could you get us a DB number and all that? Or when you get the newswire, we'll know what it is. I guess. Let's vote and get, decide here. 58826 is the DB number. And yeah, there is another author, but I can't remember who it is. His name is on there too, but I think the other author probably wrote more of it than he did. I think he's just lending his name, like you said, Bob. I just tried putting it into the Bard search box, and I didn't get any hits, so... Um, I, guess I was going to try to find the, the DB number, but uh, it didn't work. Oh, maybe I didn't put the quote at the end. Randy, could you give that number one more time, please? 58826. Is Bard down again? The search feature? No. I think you may have given us a wrong number or something, because it's, it's definitely not finding it. Wait a second. No, there it is. There, there it is. Here it is. Yeah, that's right. Sam's Letters to Jennifer, a novel, 5-8 by James Patterson, reading time, 4 hours, 25 minutes. It doesn't list another author. It just says, read by Anne, oh, Anne Hesh. Yeah, she's a she's an actress. Now, what, what was the book number again, please? 58826? Exactly. Thanks, Alan. 
I thought there was another author. Maybe it is James Patterson, then. Must be, if he's the only one. But yeah, there are two narrators, Ian Hayesh, and I forget who the other one is. Well, they didn't credit the other narrator either, so uh, who knows. Uh, 2004 is the year... Uh, is the the year Bards got listed for it. So uh, there you go. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of his older ones by now. So that's the one I'm thinking of for September. Sounds good to me, and I am downloading it as we speak. I've got it in my wish list now. So yeah, uh, it's a done deal. Okay, I think it's. It's September 18th or 19th. I know that's the th- one of those is the third Friday. I think it's the uh, it's the um, 18th. 